What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movie The Batman and season two of the HBO show Euphoria. But first, let's talk about The Batman. Here's a quick synopsis. Batman, along with Officer Jim Gordon, try to solve the mystery as to why a criminal known as the Riddler is killing some of the most powerful members of Gotham City. The film stars Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Colin Farrell, John Turturro, Peter Sarsgaard, and Andy Serkis. This was far and away my most highly anticipated film of 2022. It's been 10 plus years since we got a standalone Batman movie, and this film lived up to the hype. Let's talk about these standout performances. From the moment he was cast as Batman, I knew Robert Pattinson was the perfect choice. His career has been building up to him playing this character. He's been playing weird outcasts for a while now, most notably in David Cronenberg's Cosmopolis, where he plays Eric Packer, a self-isolated millionaire. Remind you of anyone? Bruce Wayne. It's like after you see Christian Bale in American Psycho and see he was destined to play Bruce Wayne. I think the most interesting thing about playing Batman is Batman is someone who would rather be his alter ego than who he really is. And you need a really strange, weird actor to play the characters. That's why the ones who have played him have been kind of odd. Michael Keaton. No one thought Michael Keaton was going to be a good Batman. He turned out to be an amazing Batman. Christian Bale. Christian Bale was not a household name before Batman Begins. No one thought he should be Batman. He was a perfect Batman. And you can say the same thing about Robert Pattinson. On paper, he doesn't seem perfect to play any other type of superhero. But he is perfect playing the mysterious Batman. One aspect I loved about Pattinson's performance is the voice he chose for the character. It's not like the ones we've heard from other actors, and this has been one of Pattinson's greatest strengths as an actor, is his choice of character accents in movies like The King and The Devil all the time. I've loved all the recent work that Pattinson has done in The Lost City of Z, Good Time, the film that director Matt Reeves saw and made him think Pattinson could play Batman, and The Lighthouse, and I'm glad that mainstream audiences are going to see his work in this movie and him give another great performance. This time on the biggest stage possible. And I hope it gets people to go back and watch Pattinson's filmography. There's some really under-the-radar gems in there. The Rover and Life are some of my favorite Pattinson movies. I had really high expectations for Robert Pattinson's version of the character, and he lived up to those expectations and more. It's been well-documented how people who play the Joker give great performances. And the same thing can be said about actresses who play Catwoman. You have Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman Begins, Anne Hathaway from The Dark Knight Rises, and now with Zoe Kravitz in this film. And all three are fantastic and bring something different to this iconic character. This film in particular makes Selena more human than past depictions. She has more of a personal stake in this movie. The year of Kravitz continues with this and Kimmy, and I love how someone who has been in bigger movies, X-Men First Class, Divergent, and Mad Max Fury Road in supporting roles, now gets a chance to play a pivotal role in a blockbuster and she nails it and has great chemistry with Pattinson. And in recent years, Kravitz has done excellent work on TV in Big Little Lies and High Fidelity. And this year, she has become a bona fide movie star. And finally, Paul Dano plays the Riddler in a very different way than Jim Carrey, who famously played the character Con 
comically, which is how most people associate the character as a fun villain who throws out ridiculous riddles, who famously says, riddle me this Batman. And that's not who Dano's version of the character is. He's a psychotic serial killer. Dano is terrific. There's an all-time great interrogation scene in this movie between Pattinson's Batman and Dano's Riddler that's reminiscent of the one between Batman and the Joker in The Dark Knight. Dano, like Pattinson, has done fantastic work in smaller films like Love and Mercy, where he played Beach Boy frontman Brian Wilson, a role that Matt Reeves said inspired him to cast Dano as the Riddler. Dano has given some of the most intense performances in There Will Be Blood and Prisoners, and that's the energy he brings to the Riddler. That's one of the coolest things about this movie, is people are going to watch this movie and realize that Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, and Paul Dano are three of the best actors working today, because there's so many mainstream audiences who haven't been paying attention to these performers in the last decade, when they've been doing some of their best work of their career. Like Pattinson, people have ignored him since Twilight. For Zoe Kravitz, She's been on the sideline in some blockbusters, but not enough people saw her in High Fidelity, where she gives a career best performance. And Paul Dano, like I said, has been doing work in smaller movies. Now they are doing great work in one of the best big blockbusters of 2022. I'm excited to see where all three of their careers go from here. The director of this film, Matt Reeves, is best known for directing the last two Rise of the Planet of the Apes movies. Both were critical and financial success successes, and he has made a Batman movie unlike any other. The way this movie is different than any other Batman movie is that it focuses on the detective aspect of the character. The movie is more of a mystery than any other Batman film. Another thing that is different is that this is the first movie where Batman comes to the realization that he is part of the problem, that he is partially inspiring criminals like the Riddler to wreak havoc on Gotham City. I love that Reeves made a Batman who is self-aware, who is questioning whether or not he is making a real difference in Gotham City. With the Batman, Matt Reeves proved he's the right person to helm this franchise moving forward. I usually don't talk about cinematographers on this podcast, but Greg Frazier is on fire. He shot Dune, the best looking sci-fi film since Blade Runner 2049, and he did the impossible, make an original looking Gotham City. Think about how many Gotham cities have been depicted from the Burton movies, Nolan's, Snyder's, and recently Todd Phillips's Joker. Frazier, who got an Oscar nomination for Dune, has a strong chance of getting nominated for his work on this film. Frazier's Gotham City is one word. Stunning. I also want to shout out Michael Giacchino's score. Giacchino, who has scored past noteworthy superhero movies such as Doctor Strange and the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, and we all know that Danny Elfman's Batman score is undeniably great and hard to live up to. I think Giacchino's score does that and more. I think he could also get an Oscar nomination for best original score for his work on the movie. The Batman did and needed to go in a different direction than past Batman movies. We've seen this character a lot since the first Batman movie in 1989. This is the eighth live-action Batman movie. There have been so many movie stars who have played the character. Michael Keaton, who was great as the character. Val Kilmer, who I think is underrated. George Clooney, who is, by most standards, the worst Batman. Christian Bale, who was great. Ben Affleck, who 
got mixed reviews and now Robert Panson. And one thing this movie did that it needed to do was not be an origin story for this character because we didn't need a rehashing of how Bruce's parents died. It's like Peter Parker losing Uncle Ben. We never have to see that depicted on screen again. I really enjoyed seeing a version of the Batman character who wasn't super confident in what he was doing. It's said in the film that Bruce Wayne is only two years into being Batman and hasn't faced off with any of his legendary foes. I like this version of the character far better than the older Ben Affleck Batman we've been getting lately. This Bruce is still reeling from what happened to him as a child and I loved a moment he has with Alfred played by Andy Serkis where he reveals his one and only fear. This also feels like one of the rare Batman movies that is really interested in the character of Batman himself. The movie is a bit of a character study. So many of the recent Batman films have been focused on the villains or the action sequences. Pattinson is Batman in about 75% of this movie. He's barely Bruce Wayne, which is really interesting and also the right call. I want my Batman movies with a ton of Batman himself. The Batman has some really great action sequences, none greater than an insanely cool car chase between Batman and the Penguin played by Colin Farrell. Robert Pattinson has now been a part of two of the best recent car chase scenes in movies. The reverse car chase in Tenet and the one in the Batman. And when you're talking about great Batman car chases, you have to mention the iconic one between Bale's Batman and Ledger's Joker in the Dark Knight. An interesting element of Batman is that we've seen so many movies with so many different tones with this character. Going back to Adam West, his Batman was comedic and campy. The Keen Batman movies were dark and strange. Schumacher's Batman films tried to get back to campy and failed miserably. The Nolan films relied on realism and logic. And Reeves has made what I would call a well-grounded and gritty Batman thriller. This Gotham in this movie feels like a modern American city. And a lot of people are talking about how dark this movie is and how it lacks fun. And first off, I don't agree with that. This movie isn't a lot of fun, but Kravitz and Farrell are loads of fun as Catwoman and Penguin respectively. With Batman movies, we've gotten to a place where it's impossible to please everyone because fans either want a campy, less serious movie or a dark thriller. And the Batman is definitely the latter. I really enjoyed this movie. It delivered on everything I wanted it to be and there will most likely be a sequel film. And I am excited to see where these movies go. There's a scene in the movie, I won't spoil what it is, that hints at what's next. It has been reported that Farrell's Penguin is going to get his own TV show. I want to see more of Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. And of course, you want to see Pattinson as Batman for years to come. Here are my closing thoughts. I don't think this is the best Batman movie. That honor still belongs to The Dark Knight, but it is in strong consideration for the second best Batman film. For me, this movie did what it had to do. It had to justify the existence of another Batman movie, and I hope it's a massive, massive hit. Now let's switch gears and talk about the second season of Euphoria. Here's a quick synopsis. After the events of the first season, after relapsing, Rue is once again an addict, hiding her drug use from her family and girlfriend Jules. Meanwhile, Cassie has betrayed her best friend Maddie by hooking up with her former boyfriend Nate. The show stars Zendaya, Hunter Schaefer, Jacob Alorde, Sidney Sweeney, Maude Apatow, Angus Cloud, Eric Dane, newcomer Dominic Fike, Barbie Ferreira, Austin Abram, Storm Reed, Nakia King, Alana Eubank, and Coleman Domingo. Standout performances. Everyone on this show is great, but the ones that particularly shine 
in this season is Zendaya, who continues to give one of the best performances on TV. Last year, she won an Emmy, and there's a good chance she will repeat that feat. She's heartbreaking as the character of Rue, who has hit rock bottom with her addictions while trying to find inspiration to live. The character is also a great portrayal of grief. She just can't get over the loss of her father. Jacob Elordi as Nate is the perfect villain for a show about high school students. He's despicable and has done so many horrendous things. At the same time, he's tortured and complicated. Through two seasons, Elordi has given, in my opinion, the second best performance on the show. Sydney Sweeney and Maude Apatow, who play sisters Cassie and Lexi, both take center stage in season two after playing supporting roles in season one, and both of them deliver great performances. Sweeney's Cassie is someone who needs to be in a relationship and is dealing with codependency. Lexi in this season forms a bond with Rue's drug dealer Fez and during the season she is working on a play that is dealing with her life with Cassie, Rue, and all of her friends. And Apatow's performance in the play segment is fantastic. I also loved the episode where she imagined she was in a sitcom about a side character. Through watching this show and his movies Assassination Nation and Malcolm and Marie, I have become a massive fan of director-writer Sam Levinson. He makes some of the best-looking television and movies you will ever see, and he has a signature style. Is it over-the-top? Yes. Does the plot of the show always make sense? No, but the look of the show is fantastic, and I love how he plays with the tones of the show. There is no way to describe what Euphoria is to someone who has never seen it. You can't just say it's a drama about teens, because sometimes there are these ridiculously funny elements of the show. It is really a mix of both really dramatic drama and really funny comedy. What's fascinating about his work on Euphoria is at the same time he is both satirizing teenage life and also depicting how it really is. Like how teenagers should be depicted on television as these characters who at every turn make a bad decision after bad decision. And how everything for them is life or death. One thing I love about this show in this season is how it gives light to the backstories of secondary characters. For example, this season shows the origins of Nate's father, Cal. It shows us why he is the way he is, and Eric Dane was given one incredible moment where he confronts Nate, his wife, and his other son. This is one of the defining moments of the season. I love a show where secondary characters are given moments to shine. Another one that needs to be said is when Ethan, played by Austin Abrams, is given an insane dance number in Lexi's play. This is a character who is only thought of as a boring guy who dates Kat, but then the show unexpectedly gives him a brilliant moment. Not a lot of shows know what to do with supporting characters. What Euphoria does best is every character on the show has a reason to be there. It's really hard to define what Euphoria is about. It's about a lot of things. It's about teenagers. It's about drug addiction. But I think one thing that connects some of the main characters is their relationship with their father. The four main characters of this season are dealing with issues with their father. Rue is dealing with the grief of the loss of her father. Nate is dealing with the fact that he and his family are learning who his father really is. Cassie and Lexi are dealing with an absentee father both in their very own distinctive ways. I think this show is really about how different their lives would have turned out if they had that 
that mentor father figure in their lives. I think that's a really interesting thing about the show that no one is really talking about. It's the thing that connects all four of the main characters of season two. Euphoria has been renewed for season three, and I'm not going to reveal how the sophomore season ends, but there is one major issue still lingering. However, there are major question marks as to where the show is headed from here. I hope all the actors return. I think they are the show and are the reason that the show elevates itself over other shows about teenagers. The most surprising thing about Euphoria is its popularity, and yeah, maybe Zendaya's rise to fame has a lot to do with that, but I also think it has to do with the fact that young people have long craved for a show about young people like themselves, about teenagers. This is the second biggest ratings hit in HBO history behind only Game of Thrones. I think Euphoria has something for everyone, both young and old, can watch the show and be entertained. I also think the big advantage that Euphoria has over other teenage dramas is that it's on HBO. Think about the other failed teenage dramas that didn't last very long. Yes, we look back fondly on my so-called life and freaks and geeks, but those shows failed because they were on network TV. Euphoria is given the right to be unfiltered and raw. It's been given the opportunity to explore these topics without feeling like it's a after-school special. With this show, I think HBO and HBO Max just gained a huge audience that they didn't have before. A younger audience. Yes, we all love Succession. Yes, we all love The Sopranos. But those shows were not made for younger viewers. Euphoria is really the first great teenage show on HBO. Overall, I loved season two of Euphoria. It went in so many unexpected directions. And again, it made me like seeing characters on screen that I didn't like in season one. Like, it made every character have a reason for being there. And I really do think that is the biggest strength of every great show, is how deep your cast can go. And this season, I liked every single character on Euphoria. I didn't always like the direction of where their character was going, but I liked the portrayal of these characters. I like these actors. I like seeing them on screen every Sunday. And I liked, for the most part, the direction of the show and where it's headed. Is this show perfect? No. Does it always make sense? No. But is it always entertaining? Yes. And that is something that a lot of television is not these days. Entertaining. Every minute of Euphoria is entertaining and every minute is spectacular to look at. I mean, the look of the show is insane and I love, again, I love how they play with the tone of the show. Every episode is going to be something different. One week you can see the funniest thing you've ever seen on TV and then the next week you can see one of the saddest moments you've ever seen on TV. And that's what I love is the unexpected nature of the show. A lot of people will say the biggest issue they have with Euphoria is that it chooses style over substance. And my counterpoint to that is sometimes the style is so good that who cares about the substance? What Euphoria has going for it is unlike any other show. There is nothing else like it and I hope it continues to break the mold. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday and I highly recommend you check out The Batman and go back and watch season 2 of Euphoria. Next week on the podcast I'm talking about the movies The Adam Project starring Ryan Reynolds, Zoe Zeldana, Jennifer Garner, and Mark Ruffalo. After Yang starring Colin Farrell, Justin H. Min, Haley Lou Richardson, and Jodie Turner-Smith. And Fresh starring Daisy Edgar Jr. 
Jones and Sebastian Sands. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe.